I want to welcome each and every one of you to Vision Weekend. I want to look in the camera there, welcome our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus, maybe someone watching this message in a video venue here at the Keller campus or later. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us this weekend. Well, if you're new to the environment or maybe you have been a part of this journey we've been on, I want to take us back for just a moment because this vision weekend is significant. And my desire is to bring all of you into this moment. And I'm really, I've really been praying and asking the Lord to really help me, asking the Holy Spirit to transfer what I sense in my heart, what God's doing and my desire really for all of us to be a part of this. It's not an ordinary vision weekend, it's very significant. And we have been spending some time the last several weeks. You can go back and watch those messages if you missed them. And, and we've, been, we've been looking at who God's called us to be. And really looking back as we turn the page on 20 years, there's a moment to look back, to celebrate, to honor God. And there's also a moment to look at who God's called us to be. That we don't wanna be a church that just says, here's what God used to do, but we wanna hold on to the values that have made us who we are. And really, at the end of the day, it's not just an anniversary celebration to celebrate the name of a church or a particular church in general, though it's, it's okay and appropriate to, as families, have a time of celebration. It's appropriate, but really, we're spending some time honoring God thanking him for what he's done, and posturing our hearts and positioning ourselves in such a way to remind ourselves of the values that he's given us, the principles from his word that build the house, the strength and the character of who Jesus is, and he's still the same today as he was yesterday. He's still ahead of us into our future more than we realize. It's mind-blowing to me because he's outside of time, so he's already ahead of us into the next 20 years, and he's looking for our participation in our generation, and he's also looking for us to have a mindset, and this is big that I want you to catch this weekend, the mindset of the opportunity we have to hand off our faith and values and the Jesus we love to those coming behind us. So we spent some time re-envisioning and, and really reminding ourselves of who God's called us to be. And this weekend, I want all of us to be brought into it and to be pulled into this, this vision. And then next weekend, we're gonna celebrate and we're gonna honor God and we're gonna have a time of worship and we're gonna have an offering and a time of giving. And so um, I, I, after you pastor a church for 20 years, when you do what you say you will do, when you have credibility and integrity and the love I have for you and just the absolute privilege that I get to, to be your pastor and I'm so proud of you and I'm so thankful for you for all that you do. <clears throat> and I'm so excited to celebrate this moment. But when you come to moments like this, you know, when you're a younger pastor, a lot of times you just have to, you know, just hope you catch it. But when you're almost 50 and you've been pastoring for 20 years, you just lay it out there and say, here's what I need you to do. Anybody ready to hear what your pastor needs you to do? Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to participate in this significant moment. In fact, when you talk to our team, 
It's just how we've done it for years. You know, a lot of you are new maybe because over the last couple of few years, we, we could have never expected the world would go through some of the things we walked through and there was a real reshuffling and a real just transition time. And so some of you are new and you, you feel something here, you sense something here, you sense God's presence. You're like, there's something unique and that uniqueness is that we never set out 20 years ago just to be a mob of individuals, but to work together, to be a family, to be a team. And that requires that everyone participates. It's how we do it. There's lots of ways to do this, you know? But I've always said, we wanna be a family and God's not just building structures, he's building people. He's building us, he's building us together. And so therefore, we all participate. It's why the name of the church is Milestone Church. Because what families do is celebrate milestones and mark moments and celebrate their God and honor their God and remember who he is. And that's just what we do. So I'm asking all of you, new, young, old, no matter where you're at, to participate in this moment, to be a part of it, to go all in with your heart, to be like, Lord, these next couple of weeks, we're just, we're just going all in with you. And, and I'm asking you to go all in with the offering and, and to position yourself and say, Lord, what are you asking from me? It's not about the amounts. Our team will tell you, I always look at more than just the amounts. God always shows up. It's, it's, it's God's, the building's under construction. We're gonna move into it. Thousands of young people are gonna be touched in those kids' buildings. People are gonna come to Christ. People are gonna make friends and relationships because that's who God's called us to be. Disciples are gonna be made. People are gonna be developed. People are gonna be launched into their destiny. That's what's going to happen. But the real truth is the spirit and culture of our church as we turn the page of 20 years is really our hearts. It's really about our hearts. And I want you to go in with the offering. I want you to worship God. I want you to celebrate together this moment that we have where God is moving in our midst. God is doing stuff. He's changing lives. We've baptized more people in the last couple of years in the calendar year than we have in our 20-year history. There's 1,200 young people showing up on Wednesday night, and hundreds of them came to Christ in the last few weeks. This is not normal. This is not normal. This is not every day. This is not business as usual. And when God's doing something significant, it demands a significance even from our hearts to say, God, I wanna be a part of it. And here's what I've learned in many, many years of doing this. If we all come together, if we all offer our hearts, if we all offer our best, if we trust God, here's what I've seen him do. He always does exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask, think, or imagine because that's the kind of God that he is. And if you could see it, if you could catch it, I've been just asking God to help me, help you not to just see a big church that I'm sure somebody has all this. I don't know who it is, but somebody's making all this happen. You know that somebody? That somebody is people like you. That somebody is this God who's amazing and other, who's chosen to come and work through all of us. And my desire is that you would experience that 
and you would see yourself as a part of it and in it. We're going to expand the space. God's gonna do amazing things. He's gonna move among us. But you know what I have seen happen is people pull back, people hedge, people don't participate. And then what happens is then the church moves forward and six months later, you're like, I don't feel a part. And you usually say, well, the church has changed or you critique some little thing. But really a lot of times is it's something that started in your own heart. I meet people all the time and they say, well, the church got big and then it got weird. No, the church was weird before it got big. It's not a matter of size. It has to do with culture. It has to do with people. And I try to tell people all the time, it's like, look, I don't want to be treated like a consumer and I end up, you know, well, the church didn't connect. Well, look, you're the answer to your own prayer. Don't live like a consumer at your church and then wonder why you experience consumership. Participate, be a part of the family. Let God work in your heart. Become part of what God's doing. The only way that happens, though, it's not going to be through my persuasion. It's not going to even be. It's only if God gives you vision for what he's doing. It starts with vision. Everything in the kingdom of God starts with God's perspective because God is so amazing and so other and so powerful and so miraculous. He has to help us see what he sees. And what we do a lot of times is we get caught in what we see and what we're doing and we get passionate about what we're doing and we miss what he's doing and then we wonder why we have the results that we have. He has to help us come up a little higher. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And he's always saying, come on up a little higher. Come on up with a little different perspective and see it from my vantage point. And I know you can come into a church when it's growing and moving and, you know, you're just kind of like, I don't know what the program is. The pastor seems excited. They've been doing all this anniversary talk. He's preaching too long. He's panthering around. He's shouting. He's yelling at people. Okay. He's excited. You know, it's 20 years. No, really, I'm excited about what God wants to do in you because all of us together is where we see God do amazing things. And I need really for God to help me help you to catch vision. You know, I've been in an environment before where I kind of didn't really know what the program was. I was thinking about it this week. When I was in my early 20s, I went to a conference with some of my peers and a few of my mentors. And I, I went there and, and it was kind of interesting. You know, I'm a young person. I kind of felt like, man, maybe they might ask me to offer something, you know? It's like how young people think, you know? They can't receive because they have all the answers. You know what I'm saying? So I was kind of in that place. And I went to this conference, kind of set over in this section over here. And we had the first night and it was good. And, and then in the, the middle of the afternoon session, the guy who was leading the conference at his church looked in my direction and said, I thought, well, finally, I mean, I got the spirit bubbling up inside of me. I got the power of God ready to deliver something to the people of God. And I said, man, maybe he's asking me. And he did it again. He goes, come on. I thought, well, praise the Lord. Finally. I'm going to get to deposit the seed of excellence on the inside of me. I just kind of paced out of the aisle. I started coming down to the front. Now, this church was one of the old churches where they had that table that we called the altar that said, do this in remembrance of me. Anybody remember that? That's where we take communion, and it had a fake flower with dust on it up there, and it was sitting on there. And so I started walking, and he's doing this, and I'm thinking, man, it's my shot. It's my moment. All my friends are like, what's little doing? What's going on? And I'm just walking toward the front. And when I get a little closer, I see his eyes are not looking at me. He's looking at the ushers at the back. Now I'm toast. I don't know what to do. 
So I just strolled down to the front, kind of dusted off the plant and fixed it, walked back to my seat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> God just couldn't move with that plant like it was. They needed my assistance. <laughs> I didn't have the vision of what was happening there, but I thought about Proverbs 29 for this weekend that says that where there is no vision, people are unrestrained. People live for their own interests. People invest in things that can't produce the results that they desire. They're unrestrained. But in the converse, where there is vision, there is restraint, there's focus, there's discipline, there's sacrifice. And so ultimately it's God's desire that we get his vision. So I'm thinking about practically vision. At 14 years old, I realized I couldn't see the chalkboard. It probably had been like a couple of years and I just thought no one could read the chalkboard. No one could see the signs as you drove down the road and it became kind of challenging. I couldn't see what the teacher did. So I told my mom, I said, I think I got a problem. I can't read the letters on the chalkboard. And so she took me to the eye doctor and they found out that I was nearsighted, right? Which is kind of odd because if you're nearsighted, it means you can't see far off. And if you're farsighted, you can't see up close. And so they said, you're nearsighted. So they gave me some glasses. Now this is the 80s. These things had lenses in them the size of dinner plates, right? You could see Mars out of these things, all right? Kind of Sally Jesse Raphael spirit if anybody's in my age group. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They weren't that red. But anyway, I had those things, man. I probably should have them so y'all could see it. That would probably break the internet if I did a picture with those on. But anyway, I, I got those and then I just couldn't rock those very well so I had to get me some contacts, which I still wear today. But in the last couple of years, I've developed this other problem that I'm in denial about. I, I, I think I have a problem, but I don't think that my eyes are going bad. I don't think I'm getting farsighted, which means I can't see up close. I just think my arms are getting longer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But I haven't got my own pair of readers yet because I can't figure out what kind to get. But my wife has 17, so I don't need any, right? So I just borrow hers. It is a little weird when I'll be have those on, be like the pastor's rockin' Prada. You know what I mean? So anyway, these are kind of blingish, you know, for me. But anyway, I, I, I thought about nearsighted. I thought about macular degeneration. You're, you're like, what is that, Jeff? Well, that's where a, 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 a disease, a condition to where you can't see the core center, you can only see the periphery. You're like, where are you going with this? Here's some things in years of pastoring people and coming to moments like this, I've noticed people fall in different camps. Some people live in the clouds and see so much into the future that they can't participate in what God's doing right now. More common though, is there are people who have this spiritual sort of situation of farsightedness where they can't, they're, they're, they're just kind of focused up close on everything going on in their life and kind of, you know, just everything here. And, and, and let me just say this, you might not consider yourself a visionary person, but if I got around your life, the people I pastor, if you get a vision for it, constraints about to happen, passions about to happen, disciplines about to happen, focus is about to happen. And again, nothing wrong with hobbies, but if we got half as passionate about the things of God, the kingdom of God, as we do about our hobby or the little thing that you're into or the programs we put our kids into, thank God for all the things we put them into, but I wanna preach to you about a message of transferring not just a unique skill to a generation or just trying to get them a scholarship to a college, but I'm talking about their eternal future. 
I'm talking about their heart. And so we can just get here, 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 here. And God's like, look, 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 look up a little bit here. Look at it. What you're going to care about in 20 years. Look at what you're going to really look for when you're out there a little bit further because you're sowing today toward tomorrow. And sometimes I see, and it's really been bad the last few years, really tragic. So many Christians are looking at everything on the periphery and can't see the core of what Jesus is doing. Jesus hasn't changed. He's still doing the same thing. If we would get half as visionary passionate about the kingdom of God as we are about all this peripheral stuff, we would have already changed the world by now. Let's not look at with spiritual macular degeneration every peripheral issue on the planet while missing the heaven or hell issues that will be the core thing that Jesus is doing. Let's not do that. Come on, that's a good place to clap. I know you're half-hearted about it. I know I'm stirred up. I know I'm passionate about it because it's really what you want. You just need to get vision to actually invest in what you actually care about what you actually really are desiring. And what's what God wants us to desire? There's a moment here in 1 Chronicles, if you have your Bible, 1 Chronicles 29 is where I wanna take you. 1 Chronicles 29, every campus, everyone watching online, there's a significant moment. So you're like, pastor, we're celebrating 20 years. It's like, yeah, we're doing this, we're having this moment, and you're talking about how spiritual it is. Did you know that's really common in the Bible? In the Bible, as a people in their generation would journey, God would bring them to moments, you know? So, so you even see it in the, the Judeo-Christian faith, in the Jewish heritage, Passover, like that, the whole Passover celebration when Joseph and Mary and all of the things that were happening and, and all of these, these spiritual pilgrimages and, 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 and moments that they would celebrate was all about the, that everyone would have a chance to participate to understand the significance of what God was doing. We see that in, the, in, in all the way through. You, you see these big moments. This First Chronicles 29 is one of those moments. The crossing over the Jordan is a moment. Joshua 24, when, where we get the milestone concept of he set a large stone in their midst and released everyone to their inheritance. You see these, but lest you think I'm just pulling something out of the Old Testament and not understanding the larger landscape, I wanna show you really the principle because the principles are timeless, but we do need to understand God's timeline. Here in this moment is the building of the temple. I don't have time to go into you. The characters in this story are David, the leaders around David, the people in that moment, Solomon, who's David's son, who previous to 1 Chronicles 29, he's encouraging him with this passing of the torch. And so there's this moment here in this, this building of the temple. You're like, well, what does that have to do with us? Again, I want us to catch the principles. But the bigger picture is that David has a generational moment where now Solomon is empowered to build the temple and so Solomon to the temple then comes to Jesus. Do you know Jesus, the son of David? Jesus used the imagery and picture of the physical temple when he would teach and talk. The picture of the temple being that God moves in us as his living temples and dwells on the inside of us. And so the principle here is still a, a major principle in the Bible. 
I want to be very clear. We are adding space to our Keller campus. Our Hazlitt campus has purchased property. They're doing a miracle offering for a campus. We're building structures, but God doesn't live in temples made by human hands. Don't think when I read this Old Testament passage that I'm just going to use some like pastoral eisegesis and pull out the temple and equate it to the structures we're building. By the way, we've been in all kinds of structures. We're thankful for God's provision for structures. Look, because we, we ha- we're taking care of sheep. And by the way, you guys are having a bunch of them. You know, them little sheep are everywhere around here. Y'all seen our baby dedications? Y'all took the word fruitful and multiply to heart around here. So we're trying to take care of all the sheep, the old sheep, little sheep, baby sheep, and we just need more barn to take care of them. But make sure you understand something though. The temple picture is even bigger than us as temple or even structures First Peter chapter two, verse four says, as you come to him, the living stone, that's Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like living stones. I love that concept, living stones. These are not manufactured bricks from Acme. A stone in this time had to be, here's a weird word, hewn. It was like cut out of and shaped out of the rock and all of them are unique, just like we are. Unity is not uniformity. We come from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different giftings, different passages, different heritage, different maturity, different ethnicities, different groups, different ages. Being a multi-denominational, inter, uh, interracial, intergenerational, inter, we're, we're like all these different rocks coming from all kinds of places. But here's what's amazing. We don't stay in a rock pile. We don't stay in the main, we get hewn out and placed. This is my passion for you. We get placed in that structure, it says here, like living stones, and we're being built into a spiritual house in which God dwells in that place. So the principles here are part of still how God builds. Again, my passion, when I talk about our church, I don't talk about our structures. I don't talk about that. Those things are great. It's God uses them. But really for me, the joy is the people like you. It's us. It's our relationships. When we celebrate 20 years, it's that. And th- but for that house to be built, God has to do something in the living stones. He has to do something in our hearts so that we allow him to place us and position us for his glory. Let's read this building of the temple because it's part of the biblical timeline. Then King David said to the whole assembly, my son Solomon, the one God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. I love that that's in the Bible. I love that. You know why we have so many young people here that are using their gifts and using their talents and God's using them in mighty ways. Morgan on the video is so powerful to see Morgan uh, and, and different ones. You see them using their gifts. I show so many people our next gen weekend when you see all these young leaders and they're leading worship and they're speaking and they're doing it. You know why? You know why they are in that place? They can look in your eyes and tell if you believe they can. I was one of those young and inexperienced 21-year-old pastors. The reason I believe in them is I know I was one of them. 
I know God can use the willing. He doesn't always. In fact, the dangerous thing in life is to have more head knowledge than you. You would rather be young and inexperienced and willing than old and knowledgeable and stuck in your ways. Because God uses the willing heart. He uses the willing heart. He's always used the one that doesn't look like they should be used, but willingness God always runs to. He says, my son, I, do, I know you guys are gonna know it, so I might as well tell you up front, he's young and inexperienced, but God chose him. The task is great though. I love that David doesn't say, hey, we're building something small here. Hey, this is a big deal, it's a big task. You, you know, I, I always think about this, that maybe as a result of us as living stones being built into a spiritual house, God giving us big tasks and big dreams and big things that he's doing translates into your world so that you will begin to believe in this big God to do those big things as well in your life. And we love the fact that God is a God of miracles, we just don't like being in the position where we need one. But isn't it amazing to be in a place where we're believing for something that we've never seen? Trusting in something that we've never experienced. Trusting in a God who's able to do beyond what we can actually ask, think, or imagine. He says, make no mistake, the task is great. Because this palatial structure is not for man, but it's for the Lord God. With all my resources, I've provided for the temple of my God. David is about to die in a few verses later. And he's like, I'm gonna invest in a place where God will be worshiped, where the next generation can follow in the footsteps in the path. That's what he says here. He says, I'm investing. And then he gives all his details of all his turquoise stones and all kinds of things he gave that I don't even understand what all of it is, but it looks pretty valuable. And he says to them, after he invests, he says, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? David says, I set my devotion in your translations on the house of the Lord. And I not only set my devotion because giving always starts in the heart. He said, I started with my heart being turned toward and my affection turned toward the house of God. And I gave, then he turns and says, who's willing? Who's willing, and I love this. He doesn't say who's willing to give. He says, who's willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? You know, I look back 20 years ago, there was a group of 32 people who had sold their homes, sold their businesses, and didn't know exactly how everything was gonna work out. And there was a lot of reasons for them not to believe in what God would do. There was a lot of practical, circumstantial reasons, but there was a spirit inside of them that says, we're willing, we're willing to look ahead to what God will do. And they saw you before they knew you and groups of people along the way in their willingness. I don't know if you've ever thought about this today. You don't buy the gospel, Jesus gave it freely. You don't have to do anything to earn God's approval. But I will say this, we all are here today because of generations who have saw us by faith and been willing and given, and as they invested, then the generational impact goes beyond all of us, and that's why we're here today. And so they, they are called on by David. Who's willing? Who's willing to give and consecrate? So I look back on that moment 20 years ago, and I believe here these two weeks, I, I just want you to catch this. It's bigger than what we put in the plate. It's bigger than the building. That there, there, There's something in the spirit for us as a church 
to afresh and anew come before God and consecrate ourselves before him and say, Lord, we're so humbled by your activity among us. We're, we're honoring you. There's, it's a holy moment. In fact, at, at the, in our giving time next week, I'm gonna ask you, you may need to go to your bank to get like a cashier's check. You may need to get some money. You may do. I, I said to our team this week, I'm like, I want during the final song for us to come forward and put it. We're gonna try to set buckets around and maybe come forward. And somebody on my team said, well, that could be awkward. I go, good. I hope it's absolutely awkward. Yeah, yeah I'm going crazy here. You're like, Pastor, you're just, yeah, I hope it's awkward. Because you know what? There's moments where God's more important than what's awkward or not, where there's a spiritual principle where you say, you know what, Lord? We're bringing this before you. We're celebrating what you've done. Now, one of the young people on my team is why you need to have a multi-generational church. He goes, well, pastor, what's a check? I don't have any of those. So I said, well, whatever. Put your, put your envelope with your information on it and we'll... Apple pay you or whatever we'll do, okay? But I don't know. Go get some gold bricks and throw them in there if you need to, all right? But, but my point is here, David's leading them in a worship moment. It's a worship moment. I want you to know giving and God's movement, it's always bigger than the stuff. It's always the worship. It's the worship. It's the heart. Consecrate yourselves before the Lord today is what he said to him, them. And then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work, they gave willingly. I want you to think about this for a minute. If they're officers and they're in charge and they're the leaders of families, you have to have had families to be leaders of families. These are all people that had walked with David. So they're not giving to themselves, they're giving to this next generational transfer that's about to happen. They're looking to the future, it says. They're giving of themselves for something that's not necessarily about their experience. That's the kingdom of God. They gave willingly. And then the people rejoiced at the really willing response of their leaders. They'd given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. And here's what I want you to catch about this whole passage. When we come, when we celebrate, when we worship, when we honor our God, when we give, when we pray, when we look back, when we look ahead, it's really all about this moment that David says. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. I've learned this through the years. It's never about the building, it's about the hearts of the people that will fill the building. It's about not just building a bigger structure than the faith in the hearts of all of us as we go to the next place. It's really about worship. It's really about dependency. It's really about acknowledgement of having moments. I'm so excited about this moment because this is a maturing moment for all of us as a church. For some of you that are new, it's like I love a church that we're all together, we're all in. Well, this is what makes it like that. This is what makes it like that. And so when we all do that, of course we rejoice greatly because we know it wasn't one person. It wasn't 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. It's not that way in Milestone. So everyone can rejoice. 
and rejoice greatly because it's God moving among us. And boy, isn't it good to have moments where you have to come before God and go, it's all yours anyway, Lord. It all comes from you. It all returns to you. The glory is yours and no other. I'm excited about that. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. I want to show you. I'm, I'm excited about this moment. I want to show you a little clip, but I want to tell you I'm approaching this moment really in a couple of ways. One, as your pastor, I'm, I'm, I want you to, you to come into it, you to be a part, you, you to bring your hearts. I'm thinking about this pastoral moment for our church and the spirit, this is big. We don't want to be a church that says, I remember when God did. We want to be a church that says, we're looking to what God will do. I'm excited about that as your pastor, but did you know I'm also looking at it as a dad? I'm now in a different place, a leader of families. I now have a family. And, and so I, this, I want you to think about this, some of you that have been around for a while, you know, we look up and we wonder at 25 why young people, we, they don't have God's perspective on money. Could it be because we didn't bring them to moments like this to remind them that it's all God's? They've never seen us participate and do. This actually is a moment for some of you families and that's what I'm doing. I'm seeing it differently. Not because I'm really even concerned about what God's gonna do. Like if there's some ways we could just be like, hey, God's got it, this is good. It's in the spirit. So I've never done this before, but I looked at my family, all of them, young to old, and I said, I'm asking all of you to pray. I'm asking all of you to give. I'm asking all of you to come before the Lord. Next weekend at the Keller campus on Saturday night, I have kids that now live out of town. They're grown adults, they're married. We're having a legacy moment. We're thanking our God for what he's done. That, we, that, that my kids have found their friendships, relationships, the youth leaders that have invested in them, the way God's blessed us, what God's done. We're gonna thank our God. We're gonna worship him. And all the way down to the youngest, if you gotta go dig money out of your penny bank, you know, it's, 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 it's a moment for young to old. So I want you to know I'm looking at it as a pastor, but I'm also looking at it in the spirit as a dad. I want you to watch this with me and see a little insight into what God's doing. I feel like with how the church is growing, a lot more people are coming, but with like the physical church getting bigger, I feel like that will definitely, um, it would it'll definitely encourage a lot more families to be able to come. Paige and I came to the, uh, the signing of the new Children Building Foundation. Um, because we are expecting in March of 2023. It's gonna be our first baby. And so we wanted to, we wanted to write and believe and pray over the new building. Um, this church and this children's building, um, they're going to be used in powerful ways for other people just like me. I just look back over my 20s, the last decade, and I see the internship that I did many years ago to, to develop personally and things from development groups. And there's just been so many opportunities to, to lead and to grow, preparing me to meet my wife, preparing me to be a husband, and, um, and now a, a, a father-to-be. When you're planted in a, in a church home, you will continue to grow. You become just so overwhelmingly 
grateful for what the Lord's done in your life? Just the growth that we've experienced as individuals and then as a couple, um, that lets us know that this, this is our home and this is where we want to raise our family. Just as we've been poured into by others, we know that um, there's a whole ministry team here um, that's going to pour into our child. We're believing for big things for our family in this new building. My prayer as I just look at this place is that every single child, that every single family that enters this room, that enters this building will have a salvation moment and that they will know Jesus fully and that they will love Him and that they will walk in all that He's called them to do and to be. So it's kind of funny if you look around, there are a lot of people that are over the age of like 60 at Milestone because their children are at Milestone. My son-in-law and daughter were praying about finding a church that they felt like would help meet the needs and grow the kids from a baby all the way through high school. They joined Milestone, here we come, we're at Milestone also. Whit and I help lead a couples group. My daughter is involved in a ladies group. My son-in-law is involved in a men's group. The oldest grandson, he's with, uh, he's in eighth grade, so he's in 78. Then I have a, a boy in 56, a granddaughter that's nine, that's back in the kids. And then we have the new little adopted baby that is just precious, that is, is back in the kids. They start teaching them principles, you know. You know, who is Jesus? What has he done for you? They're putting it into their minds to actually think about something from the Bible and not some video they're seeing on their phone. They do it in such a way that they, they have, they're having fun doing it, dancing around and doing this. And those words are still sinking in. And then giving them the opportunity to invite Jesus into their heart. And then later on, you know, they have the opportunity to be baptized. I mean, Milestone's baptizing right and left. I mean, God's moving here and we want to be part of it. We've been given so much. Don't we want other people to get the chance to get involved in all of this awesomeness happening around here? You know, we got a torch to pass. Don't let that torch drop. Legacy means to me as a, as, as a grandfather that our grandchildren would see examples of us and what, what we stand for and what their parents stand for. It's one of the most important things you can do for right now. Before I even was pregnant, I would pray that uh, my child would come to salvation at an early age. If I have the church working with me, helping guide my child toward Christ and pointing it to Him, that's just another whole level of help. It's hard to describe until you've experienced it because it's a huge blessing and being just so thankful to God that your kids are on the right track. I know that I can die happy knowing that my grandkids are saved. My kids, my grandkids, they're all saved. We're all gonna be together forever in heaven. And I just pray, Father God, just thank you for this miracle offering that is gonna be taken yeah. because this is gonna touch generations and generations and generations. Sure, I would love to see even my great-grandchildren coming through the doors of Milestone because I'm already praying that they will be saved at an early age and serve the Lord. We invest in the next generation because we want a better life for them. I am going to see so many thousands and thousands through the years of more kids that are gonna come to Christ. They're gonna not just come to Him, they're gonna really grow strongly in Him. We serve, we pray, and we give. And the reason is 
because we have been served. We have been prayed for. We have been given to. The Lord has blessed us with so much. How can we not pass it on? So, so, so my team said, hey, we wanna, we wanna include Miss Kathy in the testimony video, but I didn't see it until the weekend. So I saw it and I thought, maybe I should have just let her preach. <laughs> when your grandma is like, we serve, we pray, and we give, you're like, Yes, ma'am, I'm gonna do whatever you say. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I just thought that was such a great perspective of the heart of God and what all of you younger families as well, looking out there as well to see what you're really gonna care about when you get down the road in the journey. And we have the opportunity as a church to impact the thing that Jesus cares about and what we'll care about. Let me give you some thoughts about this moment we're gonna have next weekend. It's not a matter of if we should give. Really, the truth is why we should give is clear. So you don't sacrifice for what's in life. You sacrifice for why's. Why we should give is really clear. God's kingdom, God's pattern, God's plan. But I wanna talk to you just for a moment because for me, it's bigger than the practical step that we're taking. I wanna talk to you about how we give. Here's the heart we wanna come into next weekend with. Number one, we give with gratitude for all that God has done. It's, it's, it's a worship moment, it's a gratitude moment. It's a, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. And you're like, Jeff, I'm not seeing everything that I wanna see exactly where it should be. Or maybe you've got some kid pain. I've said for years, there's no pain like kid pain. But, but I'm not saying it's a one-to-one. -one. Your investment means I'm promising you God moves, but I do think, that as we continue to invest toward the heart of God, toward these things, that, 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 that sometimes we're, we're thanking him in advance. We're, we're thanking you for what we haven't seen yet, Lord. We're, you know, we enter his courts with gratitude and thanksgiving, and the people of God are grateful and thankful even beyond the results that we see. Number two, we give by faith for all that God will do in future generations. As I said, we're all part of this lineage of the God story, of the gospel message. We're all a part of, we give and pray and serve and we've been served and Jesus was the one who gave it all to us and so we model this suffering servant king who gives, it's his heart. We never look more like him than when we put our heart in the same place as the way Jesus modeled for us that life and he lives on the inside of us. And so we give by faith into where God's going and what God's going to do. As I said, along the way in the journey of Milestone, there's groups of people that have never met you, have never seen you, that by faith said, Lord, we're believing you're gonna do something amazing in the lives of people we've never met. We are at another one of those moments. It really has nothing to do with the size of our church, our campuses, wherever we're at. We all together now by faith say, Lord, we see into the future, people we've never met, generations that'll be changed, lives that'll be impacted, people that we don't know right now, but you have a heart for, so we by faith see where you're going and what you're doing. This invokes a different level of our attitude toward giving when you're giving by faith. There's three levels that I outline. One is you start with what can I afford, you then go to what can I sacrifice, but when you're in faith, there's this understanding of God, I'm partnering in your kingdom and there's a conduit. And so you begin to say, Lord, what is it you wanna do through me? 
And so even as you're listening to me talk, you may be starting to go, well, I wanna do this or that. What I'm asking you to do is what I've asked every group of people for 20 years at Milestone. This is how we do it. And that is this, to hear from the Holy Spirit and do what he says. We don't give under compulsion. We don't give under manipulation. We don't even give just because it's emotional and exciting and our kids are what we care about the most. We give out of obedience to the Holy Spirit who owns everything that we have. So we come before him. This would be a great moment for you and your spouse and your family to pray and to put everything you have before God and say, God, what is it that you're asking me to do? That's really what I'm asking you to do as your pastor and I'm gonna pray with you. But we also, we give together because that's God's pattern. Because we're these living stones being built together into his house, so we come together as his church. We come together to put our lives, as one old preacher said, we ain't putting off, we're not putting money in the bucket, we're getting in the bucket. We're getting in it. We're giving our lives to this kingdom message and this kingdom mission and this eternal impact. That's what we are focused on. That is our vision. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to be actively involved in the process in our communities. Thank God for every program. Thank God for every political decision, everything and all of that. But let me just tell you, the quickest way to get frustrated is to look to externals to change a generational problem. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus and his word changing their hearts. We can get mad all day long. We can yell at our TVs until we all hit the road. Well, what, why don't we invest in the solution? Get behind what Jesus is actually doing. Don't get macular degeneration and be so upset about the periphery when you're not willing to invest in the core strategy. That's what Jesus said do. That's what I'm gonna put my life into because I believe in the same strategy that Jesus always has. I'm standing on it and believing for him to do miraculous things in the generation coming behind us. I'm real passionate about the next generation. Um, we had our board meeting this fall, a lot going on at Milestone. We had to give, a, give our report of all the stuff and the buildings and our land in Hazlitt and all the stuff and some exciting stuff we're gonna share with you about how God's opening doors for us to make an impact in this region. But when I really got down to it, if I shared it with our board and our team, what I really get excited about is what God's doing among young people. I'm at this phase where it's really not about me. It's not about buildings. It's not about numbers of people to preach to. Our vision 20 years ago was to hand it off to those coming behind us. And there's a lot of people aspire to that vision. But man, I'm so blessed and honored and thankful and Jesus don't let us mess it up that we actually are going to see it. We're going to see it and we are seeing it. This young lady that led us in worship, Avery, I don't wanna embarrass her, but man, I'm telling you, I've showed her a little video from Next Gen Weekend with her playing the piano. Woo! Can't show it to too many pastors because few of them tried to recruit her. I said, look, she's already signed. I'm her agent. You got to come through me. <laughs> like, that's not ordinary. It's not ordinary. To be a part of a multi-generational church is an honor and a blessing because we're not investing in an empty bucket. We're going to see it carried on from generation to generation. 
What an honor and what a privilege. I got a chance to speak to our next-gen student leaders in GSL. What a blessing to be with them, to see what God does at VBS, to see what God's doing at youth camps, to see what God's doing on Wednesday nights with these rooms filled. Did you know our entire staff had to show up on the last few Wednesday nights to work the ministry teams. Some of you, thank you for those of you that are host homes this week. Thank you for those of you that are going as camp counselors. Thank you. When there's a harvest of young people, it's all hands on deck. They're coming to Christ. Look, we're not talking about young people as sound bites. We're talking about actually Jesus touching them right now. What an honor and a privilege to be a part of it. I want to pray for you this week. I want to invite my wife to come to the stage. I want to start this week off, this celebration, asking everyone to participate and be a part. I'm going to have my wife pray for you. Would you stand on your feet with me? Next weekend during the last song, we're going to bring our offering. You're like, what are you asking me to do, Pastor? I'm, again, I'm asking you to participate and be a part of it. I'm asking you to pray this week. Hear the Holy Spirit do what he says. Next weekend, we're going to celebrate, we're going to worship, we're going to give. We got a t-shirt for you. I think we have some Izzy's. And I put in a request for some ice cream. I vote for hot chocolate. Hot chocolate? <laughs> it's a little chilly it's in here, as they mentioned. It's cold for ice cream. I feel a celebration has to have ice cream. I can, I can push an Izzy to the side, but you put a malt in front of me, it's over, you know? We're going to have ice cream. It was, it, all, all, all in favor say aye. Anybody opposed, join another church. Okay? So, so, <laughs> praise God. So we'll have all I'll that. Stay. It's going to be a celebration, okay. but it's going to be a spiritual I'll moment. So pray for us, honey. Yes. Lord, I just thank you for all that you've been doing, God. And I just, I thank you for every single person and every family here at Milestone as we're reflecting on all that you've done in the last 20 years and looking forward to all that you're going to do, God, in the next 20. Lord, that you would just speak to us, God. That you would just speak to our hearts as we're preparing this week, God. That as we're preparing our offering, Lord, that you would just speak to us, God. Help us to know our part in your plan, God. God, we just know that when you show up, our part is just multiplied and multiplied and that you can do with it things we could never do, God. And we just want to meet with you, God. We know that if you don't show up, that everything we do is just activity. But God, when you show up, when your presence is with us, God, Lord, amazing things happen. So we just pray that your presence is with us in the preparations and, and our miracle offering weekend, God, that you're just with us as we go out and we reach our community, Lord, that you're just with us, that your presence goes before us, God. We know that you will come and take what we give, God, and multiply it in such a way that our community will be reached and that we'll make a long-lasting impact. God, I just pray. Lord, that we glorify you in everything that we say and do, God. And as we give, God, and that as we reach people, God, that we know that you're the one that deserves all the glory and all the honor. Thank you for letting us see what we've seen, the lives changed, the marriages restored, God, the kids that have been saved, God. And I thank you for what we're going to get to see, God, in the future, all the things that are yet to come that you're going to do, God, in and through us, Lord. We're thankful that we get to be a part, and we praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.